for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. This is a good evening. Amen. And uh, thank you for coming out on a night like this. And uh, it definitely separates some and shows how hungry you are. Amen. I really do believe that when we're doing the things of God, and of course, this is a progression. What I'm going to say is you progress in being able to tap in more and more and more to the grace of God. But I believe when you're real serious about the things of God like this, He's going to take care of every single one of you on the way home. It'll be very easy to get home. You'll think I had more traction than I had before. This really wasn't a big deal. You'll get home and it'll be just right. Amen. I really believe that. And the more we progress with God, the less things like this even bother us or we even think about it. And then come to think about it also, if you go back quite a few years, you know, I think back when I grew up in upstate New York, first of all, this weather was just normal. You know, we're just north of, of Buffalo, and you know what Buffalo, they get hit with feet of snow, not inches. And so uh, I don't know, I don't know ever, I really don't know, a time where we didn't endeavor to get to church, even with blizzard conditions. And we had to go up an escarpment, That's the escarpment is, we called it, is, is where the Niagara Falls is at a certain level, and then in Lewiston, it, it drops down about, oh, about 50 to 75 feet. And then you still have uh, about 85 to 90 feet of a bank before you go down to the Niagara River. But for that 50 to 75 feet that it drops down, it's an escarpment. And, and the ro- that's one of the only ways to get there. Uh, or you could go through the reservation, and those roads are, you know, small and thin. And, you know, if you didn't make it on that road, you'd be, you'd be lost forever. So uh, that was the road. And we're, we're talking about cars that didn't have front-wheel drive. All rear-wheel drive cars. And we'd be going 60, 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour on, on turnpikes, you know, driving in this stuff and not even thinking about it. Car moves a little bit, you just move with it, you know. Amen. <laughs> So, in one sense, you could say, you know, years ago, things like this never bothered people because it was all about being hungry for something and just being committed. Amen. Well, the things that I, well, amen. Thank you, Pastor. He said it was a good word. Amen. I didn't know, that, I didn't know if it was or not, so amen. We're starting out on the right foot with a good one. It's better than a bad one. Amen. So, let, let's go in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. And tonight's going to be a little different. Some may say, well, that wasn't really a sermon. That was kind of a talk. Or some may say it wasn't even a talk. You know, he was just kind of all over the place. I'm just going to share bits and thoughts right now, kind of mess with you a little bit in the area of the spirit and then the physical world, the flesh and the spirit, and uh, set ourselves up so that if there are people here tonight, you need to be healed. We can minister to you and you can be certainly very, very open-hearted and open-minded to the presence of God touching your life and for you to be changed and different and go home well, amen, with wonderful testimonies. Part of this is because I'm on a three-day little journey here with the students for the Bible school. So the things that we shared yesterday, we're sharing in, in just like in a little pattern here, we're trying to get to some place, and so today I have to share these things, and tomorrow we have some other things to share with them as well. Um, Almost, almost wish we could have you all come out for that because it was just ended up being so good. The students were so hungry and so alive to, to pull on, on the things that were shared yesterday, but oh, it's just kind of too bad. Anyhow, <laughs> let's talk about some things concerning the spirit world, 
And I was just sitting over there thinking for a moment. And I don't ever mean, I mean, I, this had, wasn't in the foggiest thought of my mind when I was thinking of things up. But when I sat over there, all of a sudden it came to me. It's kind of a little bit like the Marvel character Thor. If some of you remember that movie. Um, you know, in the first movie, the whole thing was about the convergence of the different realms. And when they would come together in alignment, then you could pass from one realm to the other. So in one sense, we're going to talk a little bit about convergence tonight. I didn't mean it to have to go that way, but some of you that have seen that movie, then maybe you'll think a little bit more in line with what we're talking about, because there is a convergence. Let's just look at this for a moment and see. Verse 1 of Hebrews 1, uh, from Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So notice that faith comes with substance. It's just, what substance? There are different substances, obviously, you know, you know, there's a different substance, uh, you know, of spiritual things. There's a different substance of earthly things. But it's interesting that faith or your heart belief or your spirit in action to trust God comes with a substance. It's not nothingness. It's tangibility. Now, if it's not the tangibility of the earth, it's a tangibility of the other world, the spiritual world. And then, of course, because we're so used to the tangibility of the flesh or the earthly world, we seem to have the idea that the things of the earth are more real than the things of the spirit. And, of course, we understand why, because it's the things that we commune with and, and actually partake of on a regular basis. So we're used to it. We're used to hard copy. We're used to you know, substance that comes together to make something solidified. And without that, we feel like things just aren't as real or as important. But you've got to change all of that because of the next verse here. You look at verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So notice in that passage the word things pertains to two different substances. But nonetheless, in both worlds, there are things. So we'd say the earthly things that we can touch, we can taste, we can smell, we can hear. The five senses. What would the last one be? What did I leave out? Touch, taste, smell, hear, feel. Or see, see, thank you, see. Okay, so here's my point. The things of the spiritual world are just as much in the touch, the taste, the smell, the hearing, and the seeing. In other words, when you get to heaven, it's not like you're going to be blind. I don't see anything, Lord. It's all like a vapor. <laughs> and then when you see that amazing fruit on the tree, it's going to be horrible if you actually take a bite of it, expecting to have the most amazing experience with your taste buds, but there's no taste. And wouldn't it be terrible to go through a flowers, you know, through a, a bed of flowers or through a garden that are the, the most vivid flowers you've ever seen that literally just cause your eyeballs, you know, it's almost like that, what is that, 4K, we were talking about that new TV. It's so sharp and it's so bright. I almost go like this when I'm looking at it. It's like it's, it comes out at you. So, well, what if heaven's like that and even more so? So vivid, so bright, and you want to smell the fragrance, but there's no fragrance. And the angel says, no, we haven't had smell here for a real long time. <laughs> huh? And a choir singing, but you can't hear it. No, the world, world of the Spirit, 
was there first. And we're just, in a sense, just, uh, well, we're God's example of what's there. So everything you see here, you've got to magnify it spiritually. So the five senses that we have for our physical body are outdone by the five senses that we have for our spiritual body. So really, you could almost say it like this. To walk by faith is to walk by the senses of the spirit versus the senses of your flesh. Which means that your spirit can hear, your spirit can, can talk, your spirit can smell, it can taste, it can touch. Is everybody doing okay with that? So when I look at this, I want to just go a little further to say... If everything that's made that we see, that we're used to on this planet, was made from a substance that's not seen, then you would have to say this, and I think we'd all agree, that everything that God made then must be embedded or filled with, immersed with, the substance of heaven. That's a pretty cool thought. Because then what does that mean? But that everything that God made has the ability to be touched by the glory, infused with the glory, saturated with the glory. Now, this doesn't have the ability. This is something man-made. But everything God made does. And that's a pretty cool thought to me. Because as we begin to develop this, I think you'll open your hearts and open your minds to the idea that maybe it's a whole lot easier for the presence of God, the Spirit of God, to do some pretty cool and wonderful things in me than I've allowed myself to believe. Because it's all predicated on what you actually accept to be true, right? Well, I don't sense anything. Well, see, then what do you do? You shut down the ability to sense something. Because to open your heart and mind to the idea that there's something more than what you sense is to then possibly, if it's actually there, find it. You know, when Jesus stood over in Matthew, he said, if you'll ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. Well, if you don't believe there's anything to, to, to open, then you're not going to be knocking. If you don't believe there's anything to find, you're certainly not going to be seeking. And if you don't believe there's any, any answers that can ever come to you, you're certainly not going to ask. So a statement like that does what? It's, it's made to open up your heart and mind to say, there are things that I can experience that I can only get through asking. Amen. There are things for me to find that I can only get through seeking, and there are rooms and people to meet that I can only get through knocking. Right. Right. Amen. So how real is that world, right? How real is the spirit world? Is it possible we're really in the midst of it right now? There's an element of God in every single one of us. To what degree can we, if you will, heighten that ability of God or increase that anointing? I mean, I've heard things like this. Brother Hagin told me personally, he said, if I go two or three days and sense the presence of God begin to wane, he said, I'll go to praying and I'll go to fasting for two or three days until that presence comes back on me. I had another friend of mine that went on to be with the Lord, and he said this. He said, if I go one day without the Word of God making me just as happy as can be and excited as can be, he said, then I'll set myself to fasting and praying until that excitement comes back. What's he trying to say? What's Brother Hagin trying to say? He said, you can live in the world to the degree where it dulls your senses that are spiritual. And all you've got left is the senses that are of the flesh. 
So if you don't mind me saying this, because I fit in this category as well. We've all been victimized by past generations. We've got habits and we've got routines that don't actually flow with God. Because if they did, we, we would have some pretty cool stuff to talk about. So what's the possibility that some of the routines and some of the ways that we do things, the habits, the patterns of our life, that they actually feed into the senses of the flesh and they literally eliminate the idea that there even are feelings, thoughts, emotions of the spirit, words to hear, something to smell, something to taste of heaven. And for those that might not ever have experienced that, then there's a convergence. There is a place to actually cross over to begin to experience it tonight. So let me just go a little further. I think this is starting to make sense to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a moment. Think of this for a second. If God can make the seen out of the unseen, then the seen ought to be able to cross back over into the unseen. If it was the unseen spiritual substance that made the physical tangible world of substance, then the physical tangible world of substance ought to be able to cross back over into the unseen. They ought to be able to go back and forth. I don't have time to go into this, but you know, let me just say it like this. When Adam and Eve sinned, and the Bible says the Spirit of God came into the garden like a breeze. Adam heard the breeze or the sound of the Lord coming into the garden. And Adam had Adam hid and God had to say, where are you? Let me ask you a question. This is real simple. Was that before sin or after sin? After. So that whole condition of God having to come and, Adam, where are you? Find him was after sin. That wasn't a pre-sin condition. In other words, they didn't play hide-and-go-seek before Adam sinned. Do you want to know why? Because they were never separated. The realms were completely together. They were open one to the other. Yes, there was an earthly realm and there was a heavenly realm, but they were both open to one another. You say, how do you know that? Because God's the Alpha and He's the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And when you go to the end of the book, you'll find out that God's going to do what? He's going to open up the gates and open up the city and never more close it. And there will be coming and going from what? The new heaven and the new earth to heaven itself. It was always supposed to be open. That's one of, the, one of the reasons why over Malachi we get a little glimpse that if you'll do some of the right things concerning your tithes and offerings, there's a little window that you can get some things. But Jesus came along as a carpenter. And he took down the window. And he took down the wall. Amen. Got rid of all the drywall. Took down all the studs. And opened heaven from one side to the other. And it's an open heaven now. So I want to open your your heart to the idea that maybe my body can get saturated with God tonight. And it's not special. It's just normal. So look at this thought right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 to 54. 
And it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. The convergence. Converted. Changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, converted, converged. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. There's the two different substances, mortal and immortality. Man was made immortal. When he made a really bad choice, he turned into what? Mortal. He went from never supposed to be in, to be able to die to what? To be in death doomed. Why? Mortality, death, spiritual life. That's why when Jesus came, no one could kill him. He said that. My father gave me a command. I can lay my life down or I can pick it back up. He said, no one can take my life. In one translation, he said, I must of my own accord willingly give my life. Amen. So what did that mean? Well, it simply means this. If Jesus had never wanted to actually go to the cross and wanted to back out, he'd still be alive today and very young. In fact, Satan wishes that that were the case. Because what Jesus did when he went into the grave, he became a seed. And that seed multiplied. And as many as receive him to them, he gives power to become exactly like Jesus, sons of God. And the devil knows what we are. The devil knows the potential of every single one of us. We just have to know the potential of every single one of us. Because he's shaking in his boots that there are little Jesuses all over the world. And we are just like Christ. We are able to do just like him. But we've got to get out of the mentality that we're just humans. Well, we are, aren't we? Well, not necessarily. You've got somebody living inside of you. You invited a being from another world to jump inside your body, to become co-joined in your spirit. Your spirit's no longer just you. That's what it means to be in Christ and Christ in you. Really, the picture almost is like this. If you want to find Jesus, you've got to look inside of me. And if you want to find me, you've got to look inside of him. We've been joined together. A little freaky for people to get that idea. But Christ, by his spirit, has come to live inside of your spirit, to walk around inside of your physical being. It's really an interesting thought. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, you don't have to go there, but it says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Well, something has to change for us to be able to do all that. That's where mortality shall put on what? Immortality. Now, all of this is proof that what Adam did with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually very much alive today. Because before Adam ate of that tree, it was only what? Good. In fact, if you look over there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God looked at everything he made, and it was, remember, when God made it, the substance of God was actually infused into everything he made. That's one of the reasons why, listen, that's one of the reasons why you can go off into the woods, you can get quiet, and you can find God just like that. Why? Because every single thing that you see says something about him. It's got him in it. Or you can be in your backyard and just look at something so simple and still find him. Right. 
God even went through the Apostle Paul to talk about that in Romans. And he said over there in Romans chapter 1, he said, no one has an excuse to know that there is a God because even creation itself reveals. Well, how can you reveal something unless you have something in you? All of creation has the essence of God in it because it was the unseen things that made hard copy. And there was a convergence from what was unseen over to the seen, which means the things that are now seen should have a pathway into the unseen. It's an interesting way of just messing with your mind to say, thank God for the anointing. God's presence, the Spirit of God, our time of worship, where you can begin to sense that God's actually here. So when I look at this and I say, well, what about, you know, the the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? Well, everything before man sinned, it was good. After man sinned, now you see the evidence of what? Good and evil. Evil and good. Which means something can go from bad to good and something can go from good to bad. And we know that. That's what Paul dealt with. That's called the law of sin and death. That's what sin and death did. It brought us this combination when all we wanted just was a single meal. You know what I mean? You want the combo? I don't want the combo. I just want the entree. But it brought man a combo, a combination of what? Good and evil. Man wasn't supposed to ever know evil. He was only supposed to know good. When Adam sinned, he brought into the world good and evil. Paul talked about that over in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. So you could almost say it like this. You could turn it into anything that you deal with. The sickness that I don't want to have, I have. And when I want to have life and health, I don't have it. Well, welcome to one bite of an apple. There was a law established in the earth from one bite of an apple. And Paul cried out at the end of chapter 7 and said, Who can deliver me from this wretched mess that I'm in? Going back and forth and back and forth and never be able to be stable. And he said, Thank God through Jesus Christ. We have victory. Amen? And Jesus brought us, over there in Romans chapter 8, He brought us the fact that the law of sin and death has been conquered by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. So now there's a law of life. And that law of life is the way back where we can begin to see change again. Now, I think about all this, and it makes me really begin to think, even if you don't mind going over to Genesis chapter 2 for a second, I begin to think about Adam and this whole idea that everything is infused with God makes me think of containers for a second here. A container. Why did God make Adam's body first? Because he needed a vehicle or a container in order to live in. When God blew into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, the body didn't blow it back out. I don't want you. No, no. No, God made the body so receptive. He made it porous. So that when he breathed into Adam's nostril, the whole body absorbed life. And it woke up and came alive. That's pretty cool. 
which makes Adam's body what? A container. And if you look at the essence of spirit, then you begin to see all of this coming together, what I'm just sharing tonight, because I'm just trying to make some points here so that you'll have great confidence to know it's harder for you to not get the anointing than it is for you to receive it. Amen. Amen. Think about the word wind. Has God ever in the scriptures ever been in the wind? Yeah, the wind blew like a rushing mighty wind in the upper room. Isn't that right? Who was that, upper, uh, that, that mighty rushing wind? That was the Holy Ghost. That was the essence of the other world in this world in a manifestation of a breeze. And when that breeze got on top of those 120 people, it changed them until there was fire on the top of their... Oh, fire, fire. Fire can have God in it. Come on, we can go right down this road, can't we? One thing after another, you begin to see. So all of a sudden, you look at what? Wind. And you can see God's in the essence of the wind. Can God manipulate things in this world? He made this world with the essence of spirit. And he is a spirit. So don't you think God has the ability to go in and out of the things he made and manifest himself? Come on, if it can go from the spirit to the flesh, it can go from the flesh to the spirit. It should be very, very interchangeable that you sense the essence of your spirit just as much as you sense the essence of your flesh. We shouldn't all be just so enamored with our bodies. We should be very, very, very much in touch with the real person which is inside of the body, the spirit. Someone may say, well, I haven't really been thinking this way. The more you think like this, the easier it is to touch God. You are not body. You just have a body, but you're a spirit. Amen. We shared this, you know, yesterday. We shared this a couple of years ago, I think, when I came. But, you know, just as much as many of you here got here in vehicles, cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, probably not a sports car, but, but those of you that got here, some type of a vehicle. Why don't you have your vehicles in this room? You're so attached to them. So we can have your full package, your vehicle and you sitting in this room. It'd be like a drive-in theater. No, isn't it interesting for you to enjoy the presence of God? It's a lot easier for you to leave your car out there so you can get out of it and come in here. Now, do you see how we're working this? For you to find God, it's going to be a whole lot easier when your body's not so important and you're not so enamored with your flesh so that your spirit can actually enjoy the fact that it has a voice. In fact, the times when you find yourself experiencing God more is the times when you can get your body out of the way. Have you ever tried to think nothing for a little while? It's very difficult anymore. Why? Because there's so many things to think of on the earth. Didn't used to be that way. I mean, if a donkey or, or, or riding in a horse, you know, uh, was riding on a horse was your method of transportation. You're only going so fast, which means you got a lot of opportunity for reflection to see all kinds of things around you. And you know how seeing the things that God's made causes a calm within you. And you're able to hear God as you see those things. We don't see anything but concrete anymore. We see metal. We see concrete. We see buildings. We see streetlights. We see man's interpretation. That is a sad interpretation for what God actually wanted. So if all we see is what man built on a regular basis, then what's the possibility that you're thinking about what man built? In other words, how your body reacts to it instead of seeing the things that God's made. Come on, you think about wind, think about water. 
Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You don't think God's in the water? Come on, Ezekiel gives us a picture of the water that comes from the throne of heaven and it goes down into the earth and it brings healing to the nations. Amen. Well, then something's in that water. What did God do with the children of Israel when they came to the water of Merah? And it was bitter. God showed Moses a tree and he put that tree into the water and somehow the anointing got on Moses and it got into the tree and it got into the water and caused the water to be purified. pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, if the power of God was in Moses' staff, which was wood, why wouldn't it be able to get into the piece of wood that God showed Moses to put into the water? Wow, that kind of sounds like Elisha, doesn't it? When the axe head fell off and we got iron in the water and iron doesn't float. What are you going to do? But remember, everything that God made has the essence of God in it. So it's very scientific. So what did Elisha say? He said, go get me a twig. A twig? Just go get me a twig. And he grabbed that twig in his hand, and when he touched that twig, the power of God that was on his life, how do you know the power of God was on his life? Because he picked up a skin of an animal. Well, what does that mean? Well, there was something in the skin. What was in the skin? Remember? He asked Elijah, I'd like a double portion of what you have. And Elijah, Elijah said, that's a very difficult thing that you've asked, but if you see me go when the chariots come to take me home, Coming forth to tear, tear or what is it? Coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, swing chariot, right? That's where it came from. What did he say? He said, if you see me when I go, then you'll have this. And the mantle that represented that he was a prophet fell to the ground. Elisha went over and grabbed that. Now the interesting thing is when he grabbed it, it didn't jump out of him, the power of God's, so he didn't feel anything. How would you know it's there? And wouldn't it be important to make sure that it was there if you're going to start a miracle ministry? Right? I mean, I can just see him over there beating the water 15 times all day long. Nothing's happening. What happened to this? There's a shark. But he went over one time and smoked the water and said, Where is the God of Elisha? Of Elijah? And all of a sudden, the water split. So now what does he, as a deduction, what does he think? God's in this piece of cloth. So because God was in the piece of cloth and he's wearing the piece of cloth, then God's on him. And if God's on him, then it'll go into what? The wood. And if it goes into the wood, then he's going to put the wood in the water. When it goes into the water, the anointing that's in the wood is going to go into the water. And it's going to surround that iron and raise it back up to the top and it's going to float. The interesting thing about it is Elisha figured that out all on his own because the Bible said that God did not tell him to do that. He came up with it on his own. So now look, look what the possibilities are when you begin to figure out that you're actually anointed. Now it's up to, in one sense, your imagination, what you do with it. In other words, your limitation will be whether or not you can think big enough. Because that power can do anything. And if it can do anything, then it's a matter of how you see it so that you can release it. So now think what we've got here. We've got cloth. We've got animal skin. We could go over to animals themselves. Animals, birds. Birds. Remember the birds that came and they fed Elijah? They must have had some type of 
information downloaded into them. How do you think God got it in there? God made them with substance, remember? And that substance is in everything he made. How hard would it be then for God to give direction to those birds to do what they did? What about fish? On a normal fishing day, the guys that had already been out there all night long didn't catch anything. And yet here it is, midday, the sun's hot, they're trying to put things away, and Jesus shows up and says, hey boys, throw out your nets. That's all he said. He didn't say, fish, come. He said, throw out your nets. And Peter argued with him at first, said, you're a carpenter, you know, I'm a, I'm a fisherman, you know, <laughs> we've already done our due diligence, but we didn't get anything. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll do what you said. And they threw their nets over and all the fish jumped in. So how did that happen? God got in the fish. Well, if God could get in the fish, God could get in the birds, God can get in the wind and the water, the soil. How do you know he got in the soil? Remember Obed-Edom? David's trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. And there's a, he's got the Ark on an oxen. And the guy that's driving it, when the oxen stumbled, reached back to grab the Ark so it wouldn't fall over. And when he touched the ark, he died. David got so ticked off, he said, man, Lord, I don't understand why this happened. I, I'm, not, I'm not bringing it back into Israel now. You can just stay out here in the wilderness. So while David's trying to punish God for a second, saying, I'm mad, I'm not taking you in. You can stay in this box if all, all you want. Just so happened he was at the property of Obed-Edom. And now Obed-Edom was not this saint. He was not a nice guy. Scripture would record. It wasn't like he was bound down and serving God. So here's a guy that's not necessarily at all applying himself spiritually. But the one thing that he did was to say, you can put the ark on the back 40. We don't use that piece of property back there. It'll be fine to be back there. In other words, he did open his heart to allow the box to at least be. He didn't go back there and worship that box. He didn't go back there and touch that box. In fact, if anything, David would have told him, don't touch it. The last guy we just buried. Right? He's not doing anything to try to manufacture something. Maybe in one sense, he doesn't really even believe. Except he did welcome the box that had God in it to be on his property. Well, that was all God needed, is just to be welcomed. Just the open arms of being able to what? Just be there. And what happened? Well, God doesn't like the box any more than you'd like a box. He came out of the box. What did he do? He got into the ground. What did he do on the ground? He got into the grass and into the trees, the fruit trees, and into the vegetables. Who ate those? Well, first thing is, animals ate them. What started to happen to the animals? God got into the animals. The animals had greater flocks, more offspring. It made all of them strong instead of weak. They started eating the fruit and all the, all the servants and all those that were employed. Obed-Edom himself, they started eating the things that came from the land. Next thing you know, they, they found themselves no longer in pain, no longer in sickness, no longer in disease. A blind eye would have been healed. A deaf ear would have been healed. Cancer would have been healed. Arthritis would have just disappeared because they were eating fruit that God was in. And God jumped out of the fruit and jumped inside of them. One thing led to another, and all of a sudden, fame got spread abroad, said, have you been hearing what's going on in Obed-Edom's house? And it got back to David, and David said, man, that's the box. 
And he sent 30,000 soldiers to get it. Doesn't that speak of what? His respect of knowing we got to get that thing back in here. And it changed Obed-Edom's life and he became a servant. And that's why David, when he saw the Ark of the Covenant coming into Israel, he danced before the Lord with all his might. Why? Because once he knows God's here, God gets in the ground, God gets in the people, God gets into the flocks, God gets in everything. He permeates and saturates. And that's under an old covenant where you've got to do everything just perfectly right and sacrifice all kinds of animals. What about this new covenant? Where Jesus literally comes to live inside of you. What would your innards look like if he's living inside of you? What would your pancreas look like tonight? What would your lungs look like tonight? How would your blood flow? What would your arteries look like? Not all clogged up. Be impossible if God's in there. You think God's going to go through clogged arteries and enjoy it? No, no. What if God's doing a survey of your body and finds some lump there? You don't think God would just like do this? Flick of a finger? Come on, even Jesus said God gets rid of a demon with a flick of his finger. If he can get rid of a demon with a flick of his finger, then the offspring of a demon called sickness and disease, what do you think he'd be able to do? Come on, you put one of these things to the next, and all of a sudden now we're beginning to see some things. God's able to do all kinds of really cool stuff. God gets in oil, and you put oil on somebody that God's in, and all of a sudden there's an amazing healing. I was over in Twin Falls, and I saw this guy years ago, you know, that was real sickly. And I just decided, because I'd known him a little bit from past golf tournaments. Kevin used to invite me to, to golf tournaments and hadn't invited me in a long, long time. So I must say something about my game. But anyhow, I remember this guy, you know, there. You, you remember him. And I just made a real pest of myself and walked over to him and said, Would you mind, mind telling me what happened? You don't look very good. And he said, Yeah, the doctor's given me a death sentence. He said, I got prostate cancer. He said, In the last stages. He said, I've done everything I can do to try to get rid of this. Gone over, all over the country and different parts of the world to try to get alternative methods. He said, but actually this week, he said, they're, they're turning me out to the sea. That's how he said it. In other words, there's nothing else I can do. I said, well, I can help you. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, do you remember what I am? He said, well, aren't you a minister or something? I said, that's right. Maybe he thought I was going to do this right here and bury him. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> that's right. I'll bury you right here today. Sprinkle a little water on you, you'll be just fine. Praise the Lord. He said, you're a minister. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to kill your cancer. That's what I'm going to do. I said, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to pray. And your cancer is going to die. I said, but you'll have to wait till tomorrow. And I got up and I pushed a chair back right in front of all these people. Because I was talking real loud so everybody could hear me. In other words, I was being a nuisance on, on purpose because I was putting pressure on whether or not he'd listen to me. Pushed the chair back on purpose. Everybody heard that and looked up like this, what's going on? I said, so tomorrow we're going to meet again and I'm going to talk about how we're going to kill your cancer. I said, Jesus is going to do that for you when I pray. See, I wanted other people to hear because I wanted him to have to make a choice. Do I care about what other people think or do I want to be well? So the next day I came and saw him, same thing. He's sitting out there. I came in. There was no chairs, no place for me to, to sit. So I just walked in. I actually grabbed the two people, himself and someone else, and I said, hey, I want to sit down. And I pushed the chairs apart like that, and they're being moved, you know. 
by somebody. And I put a, pulled the chair up. So I'm, I'm going to sit right here. And they're all looking at me like, what in the world is this guy saying? Because I'd already made a pest of myself the day before. So now I looked at him and I said, now we're going to talk a little bit more about you getting healed. I shared a few more things with him. And I said, now tomorrow, I'm going to pray for you. He said, where are you going to pray? I said, at your house. He said, you want to come to my house? I said, I'm inviting myself. I'm coming to your house to pray for you. <laughs> I said, because when I pray for you, I said, your cancer will die. You'll be free. But you've got to know this Jesus. He said, we'll come at 3 o'clock. I said, good, because we had a banquet that night. You remember how those tournaments go? Banquet that night. So I went at 3 o'clock. He's all dressed up nice. You know, his wife's dressed up nice. I don't know how well I was dressed up for that tournament or whatever, but I mean, I was somewhat dressed up nice as well. Walked in there, and we sat down and started talking. And I started talking about oil. The properties of oil, God getting in oil. See, that's what James said. The prayer of faith will save the sick, anoint, anoint with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Why? What's the oil going to do? The oil represents the Holy Ghost. God's going to jump in that oil, then jump on that person. Had this girl, 16 years old, dying with leukemia. She had a mask on and everything. People were just standing there looking around. And they asked me to come in. The moment I came in, I said, I said, what are you all doing just staring here? Why didn't somebody do something? And they all just kind of looked at me. And I said, somebody go get me some oil. And this guy came out with this little tiny vial. I was going to dip a little, little dip, you know, a little dip. And I said, what's this? He said, well, that's oil. I said, get me a pitcher. Do you have a pitcher? Go get me a pitcher. So he said, well, I'll go check. And he went in the back room and came out golden oil, a whole pitcher of it. I took that pitcher over. I said, you see this, young lady? I said, I'm going to put this whole pitcher on you. You're going to get sick. I said, forget about your clothes. They're ruined. I said, but you're, you're going to, I said, but you're going to die anyhow. You're going to die anyhow. I said, I'm going to pour this on your hair. Forget about your hair. And I said, after I pour this on you, I said, God's going to heal you. God's going to touch you. She said, do I need this mask anymore? I said, throw it away. You don't ever need it. We saturated her with that oil. She's dripping from the top of her head to the soles of her feet with that oil. Made a big old mess. Put my hand on her. Said one little prayer. Boom. God touched her. Three days later, she went back. All the leukemia disappeared. So I looked at his wife and I said, do you have any oil in here? She said, yes, I do. I said, go get it. And he's like, you're going to put some. I said, that's right. I'm going to put some oil in it. She comes back in and she says, all I got is garlic oil. And I thought, you know, I really want to do this, but I am not. I am not mean, you know. So I said, really? That's all you have? Garlic oil? I said, we're going to have to go a different route. A different route. So then I went the route of talking about what happens when you get born again. When God comes to live inside of your spirit, instantaneously he'll change everything in your life. From the inside to the outside. The moment he accepted Christ with tears running down his face, Jesus touched him. One week later, he called me. There were eight people in his condition. All seven of them died. He's the only one that lived. He went back. They looked at him. And they said, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with your prostate. It's completely perfect. He, they said, we, we added a .02 to it because it actually didn't register anything. Now we're making our point here. We're going to minister to some folks here in just a few minutes. And what is that point? What's the possibility that this wonderful law of life trumps the law of sin and death. What's the possibility that God's spirit, that there is a convergence back and forth, and it's a very simple thing here tonight to lay hands on you and see that power go into your body and touch you and set you free. Amen. I remember Brother Hagen right in front of 10,000 people. 
He called me out and told me to put my hands out like this. And he put his hands inside of my hands and he said, now take this. And when he said this, all of a sudden I felt like wind blew in my hand. I was Baptist, see. It kind of scared me. And he said, take that now and go down to the people and said, in the name of Jesus. He said, make sure you use the name of Jesus. I thought to myself, what other, what other name am I going to use? Like in, in the name of Tom, Dick, and Harry, go ahead, be healed. <laughs> I thought I went through your school for crying out loud. I do know to use the name of Jesus. I read your book, the name of Jesus. He emphasized twice, use the name, make sure you use the name. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And he said, now take that down to the people and minister it to them in the name of Jesus. He said, they'll be healed. I didn't know if I was supposed to put my hands in my pocket. That'd be disrespectful to what I felt going. So I, I walked down there like an idiot, you know, with my hands like, a, like I'm getting ready to serve something. And the moment I got onto the platform, because it was a very, I mean, excuse me, the, the main floor, because the platform was real high. The moment I got down on the platform, all of a sudden, or on the floor, all of a sudden, what I felt go into my hand began to beat like there was a heartbeat. And all of a sudden, I realized something's living in my hands. I got close to the people, and as soon as I got close to the people, what was beating now like a heartbeat went out of my hands, went around my hands, and came up my arms. I felt like I had big old gloves on and mitts on. And it was hot. Well, that'll give you some confidence. At least something's there. My first time, you know, you know what I mean? In the name, use the name double. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No, I didn't do that. But the first person I went to lay hands on, it's like fire jumped out of my hands. I even felt almost a recall. It just came out of my hands. That person hit the floor faster than the ushers could catch him. I wanted to step back and go. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so exhilarating. So exhilarating. That that's what I thought. I thought like I'm in a Western show and I just went, you know what I mean? And the guy just went down. So all of a sudden, now I'm ministering one after the other like that. And people are just falling like crazy. I got to this one guy and it didn't come out of my hands. It came out of my elbows. It felt like I had a shotgun. And when it went into him, he fell and the ushers fell with him. And they're all three down on the ground. And all I could say was I stopped momentarily because it just was like a rush. I stopped and said, give me that again. That's awesome. In other words, I don't want the six shooters anymore. I want the big old gun. Amen. Give it. At the end of the line, I laid hands on this lady. And when I did, my hand got stuck, literally stuck. I couldn't remove it. She started falling. I started falling with her. And the usher had to step in and hold me up. Well, we did that all the time for Brother Hagen. I thought it was just because he was old. Hey, hey, what I found out was there's times it'll come out of you in such degree, it'll just pull you over with it. Does all of this fit together? It really does. Things that God can do because he made it. He's actually more infused in everything that, that God made than you can think. So how infused or how saturated are you? Paul said it's the fullness of the Godhead. We think it's just a little sprinkle here and a little sprinkle. It's the fullness of the Godhead in you bodily. What's he trying to say? There's no limitation. Now we are one with Christ. That anointing, that glory now saturates us. 
See, it's the Lord of glory that brought many sons to the glory so the great mystery could be revealed, Christ in you. Now you can use the glory. You mean I can use this? You can use it on purpose. Healing school, we used to put it all over, all, all over different things just to experiment. I'd get there early and stick it on a chair just to see if somebody jumped like, you know, like a uh, jumping bean, you know, a Mexican jumping bean, just to see if somebody jumped. We'd be in the service, we'd be praising God, we'd be worshiping God. The anointing's on a particular chair, I know what chair it's on. And I'd start to teach, and all of a sudden somebody jump in, my God, I can't sit still, and they take off running. Well, that was the chair that we put the anointing on. Why would you do that? Just to see if we could. Not messing with God, just trying to see in what way can we actually get this to work. I'm ministering to this lady in the back room, and I've got one of my workers with me, a gal. And we're ministering to this lady, and the power of God got so strong on my hands, I'm literally rubbing like this because it's so hot. I feel like I'm burning my hands, like burning underwater. Hot, hot, hot. And I thought, Lord, i got to get rid of this. And for some crazy reason, I went over, even to the drywall, put my hands on it and said, now I release this. The moment I said I released this, it went into the drywall. How do you know? Because it stopped burning in my hands. I felt it go out. And just to experiment, this girl was on her knees praying. And I looked at her and I said, come here for a second. She said, what? I said, just put your hands right here. And I, I put her hands on the wall and she got stuck to the wall and had a vision. She said, the moment I touched where you touched, she said, I didn't, she didn't know I touched there. I just said, put your hands there. The moment I touched that, something came out of there, and immediately I was in the spirit, and God gave me a vision, and he gave me the answer to the thing I'd been asking him that very morning. I'm in a service, and I feel that power. Same thing. Hot. I'm trying to get rid of it. Oh, my goodness, Lord, come on. Did, did I not lay hands on everybody? And the, and the Lord never said anything to me. So I said, well, I guess I, I did okay. And I'm sitting there. The pastor's taking up the offering. And so I just on purpose said, I'm going to put it into this chair. And I reached over and put it into the chair. And now I wanted to experiment. So I looked over and found myself a little seven, eight-year-old boy. And I, I, uh, I motioned to him. And he said, me. And I said, yeah, you, come here. And he just went like this and walked all the way over the front. And he came and said, what do you want? And I said, I'm all by myself while the pastor's taking up the offering. He said, would you keep me company and sit right next to me? He said, oh, okay. And I told him to sit right, and I pointed right to where I had my hand. So he sits there. He doesn't know anything. He's not thinking anything. He's not like an adult thinking, you know, I'm going to do something, you know, to show that I'm getting something. He's just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise. And I looked down and I said, what are you doing? He goes, I looked back at him again and said, why are you doing it? He said, I'm really, really hot. Real hot. I said, you want to go back to your, your mom and dad? He goes, yeah, yeah, I do. That anointing got on him. Went into him. Started affecting him. What could that presence do right here tonight? See, the moment you begin to acknowledge it, the moment I said that and raised my hands up, I could feel that presence in my hands. The more you spend on the side of what? Acknowledging the unseen world, the more it makes the convergence into the seen. The more you spend time, the time you spend on the seen world, the less you'll even know that it's there. Come on, Balaam's the prophet, and the donkey saw the angel. What does that make Balaam? Huh! 
You can figure that one out. Right? Think about it. He's the prophet. He's supposed to be knowing that stuff. And the donkey sees it. Why? Because he's doing things incorrectly by the flesh, and it's covered up his ability to see. So his donkey has to speak to him and reason with him. And he beats it, and it still says to him, I've been a really good donkey, and you're whipping me. And the next thing you know, his eyes are opened, and he sees the angel. And the angel said, if your donkey... In other words, you might as well say it like this. If your donkey hadn't been receptive when you weren't receptive, you'd be a dead man right now. Who in here has checked in the last few minutes to see that your pain's already disappeared? Will you check real quick? Bones, ankles, joints, where there's been infection, headaches. What about you? It's no longer there? When did it leave? About two minutes ago. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Did you work up a real lather praising God to get it to leave? Well, you really didn't. You just sat there. In other words, you really didn't have to do much, did you? Because he's actually doing the work for you, right? So anybody else, you just checked yourself because you hadn't been thinking about it? Isn't it possible somebody could run here that couldn't run a moment ago? Isn't it possible somebody could bend down to the ground when your back would have hurt? What if you could do that right now? Come on, you're all just staring at me. We'll go home in a few minutes. Anybody in here with pain? Where's your pain, sir? In your hand? In the right hand? Over there in those minor prophets, it says that the rays of God come out of his hands. And if his hands are inside of your hands, what does that mean? But the glory is in your hand right now. I'll give you about 10 seconds. If you can count in German, it'll work for sure. But if you can't, <laughs> English will do. Amen. Somebody else right behind him. Sir, what about you? Where was your pain? In your shoulder. What's the possibility that it doesn't hurt anymore? Is it even possible? It's popping. Why don't you do that again? Now don't hit your wife. She, she moved over a little bit because you're getting, you're getting a little liberal with that arm right there. What's going on? Isn't that wonderful that God's presence come right out, minister to your hands, set you free? How long has it been since your hands been free? Has it been a little while? What do you got left on a scale of one to ten? So you got five gone. We need another five to go. Okay, let's say French. Can you count ten in French? No. So we're still back to English, right? Okay, count one more time. Amen. What about you? So something's working, right? Okay, give me your hand. Amen. Lord, thank you. Come on, everybody. Let's just thank God right now. Let's get people ministered to all over this room. What if you could take this anointing where you go on your work? 
What if you could walk up to somebody and just put your hand on somebody and say, hey, have a great day today, and leave a residue on them? Huh? Have you ever thought about what God could do? That individual comes back to you and says, I don't know what happened, but when you said that to me, I've had an amazing day. And you say, well, is it possible God's on your life? Possible God's touching you? Aren't there other, other ways than just to preach to somebody? Aren't there different ways for us to touch individuals' lives? And brother, you're healed as good as can be. Amen. I guarantee you that shoulder's just perfect. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do I got to stand on top of your head and pull it a little bit and jerk it? Amen. Brother, one to ten. Where is it now? Two. You're at two. Two. Okay. Here you. One two. <laughs> Amen. Well, look at we got it going in the right direction, right? And why wouldn't all that be disappeared before you get home, right? Pretty simple, isn't it? Come on. After what we talked about tonight, don't you? you I know you realize God's living in you, and His essence is flowing through your body, in your blood in your bones, in your muscles, in your joints, even in your internal organs. God's doing overhauls on every single one of us. What would that look like to some of you? Anybody in here got a disease that you're nervous about, that you're, that you're fretful about or fearful about? Anybody in here got it? Yes, ma'am, what about you? You have what? ALS, all right? So let me ask you a question. First of all, Jesus destroyed ALS. Okay? So to the physical body, it's real easy for your mind to grab a hold of that ALS, isn't it? The symptoms, what the doctors have said, possibly doing a little research. It can get real scary, can it? It doesn't give you a lot of hope, does it? No. But we're not going to go out of what we think. We've got to get brainless. In other words, just get neutral in our thoughts. Why? Because God's living in that body. He doesn't like it any more than you do. And if you can turn him loose, you'll never have it again. But you have to let go in order to do that. And it's hard to let go when you feel like you're the only one that has a right to get yourself well. So you've got to do all that you can do and study. Go to all the doctors that you need to go to to be frugal. Because, you know, my parents or, you know, uh, family would get on my case if I wasn't doing all the medical things. But if all those medical things would have helped, and sometimes they do help, and thank God for that, they would have already helped, right? So isn't it wonderful to let go now? Are you at that place where it's ready to let go and let God touch you? Well, so in his wonderful name, from my hand to yours, just like we've been talking, God's presence begins to flow. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. Can Jesus get in the water? Absolutely. Can it get in you? Yes. That's this covenant. Now, what kind of a chance does ALS have when God's inside of you and free to do what God does? Does it have a chance? No. Absolutely not. So what's the possibility that even in the next 24 hours, you'll feel like a brand new woman? Amen. Wouldn't that be real nice? Be able to run around the house? Do all you need to do with full energy? Never have to worry about your body going downhill. Now you're up. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, the moment we begin to change the consciousness of individuals, the moment people begin to see that God touches people and sets people free, then guess what? All of a sudden it becomes something that he does for everybody. And the moment we begin to get more and more people healed, the more people think that it's actually normal, not special. And the more you actually accept that it's normal, 
not special, to every day walk in this wonderful presence that's actually living inside of me, then you go from needing to get healed to just never being sick. Do you see the difference? Who over here has got some type of sickness? Yes, ma'am, what about you? Pancreatic cancer, all right? Have you been doing whatever you need to do to try to get rid of that? Well, see, I like that. I like that because you've already defied what you should have done, what you could have done, and you've taken a different path. So when's the last time you've even found out whether it's even still there? Um, I get a check next week, or new CT next week. Um, yeah. In August, they did a CAT scan, and it showed no growth since April, uh-huh. which doesn't happen. That's not okay. all by itself. Well, what about if it just disappears? Yeah, yeah. Now, how much you got to believe in order to get God to do something when he's already there? (laughs) See, doesn't that go back to a speck of faith removes a mountain? He's not asking for a lot. I mean, how much did Obed-Edom believe? Huh? Was he on his knees praying every night? He's a scoundrel. He just let the box on his property. And God did what God does because the box doesn't have a brain. Did you get it? Shouldn't we have better, better experiences than a box? We've become the container instead of the box. What's the difference? We've got a brain. We think. We get in the way. And it limits what God can do. So what would happen if we just gave up, let go, got out of the way, and just used a little tiny speck to say, Lord, I know you're there. This thing has no power, no sense for me to get nervous or upset about this. When you're with me. We got through singing a song tonight. If God's for you, who could be against you? Why wouldn't we see more than less of God's wonderful presence? Thank you, Lord, for the faith of this woman. If she didn't have faith, she'd been running everywhere. Nervous and scared. Trying to make something happen. But she's just enjoying the ride. Watching you do wonderful things. And so now... All the rest of it just disappears. You go to your test, you let them do their scan, and you watch what they say. From this night, the rest of it's gone. Amen. Every ounce of it. Anybody else? Come on, we're not holding you up here. Yes, ma'am, what about you? Who's speaking? I thought I saw this hand. Who's speaking? Way over there? All right, what about you? You don't kind of really know whether it hurts or whether it doesn't, do you? So isn't that cool that you didn't even need anybody? You just have Jesus himself, right? Well, so guess what? 
Just stay out of the way, okay? Just go on and enjoy your life. Grab heavy things. Like, like bench press that, that guy next to you over your head. Huh? You're not limited. You can do what you need to do, okay? Just don't get your mind in the way. You remember what happened to Peter? He was doing really well when he wasn't thinking. And when he started thinking, he started sinking. So what does that say? That's how thin the veil is between the anointings working and now you're beginning to hinder it. So let's get our mind off of the things of the flesh. Is that making sense? If you put your hand out, I'll put my hand in your hand. The moment I do, God's presence will go into you. And whatever you're dealing with, God will touch you right here tonight. You won't go home the same way. Is that all right? Is that what your heart desires? Put your hands together. He's sick. Is that right? Put your hands together like a prayer. Father, from the faith of this woman right here, surcharge this other woman's body, her mother, with your glory right now. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name, command her body to be raised up this night. You need to make sure you call her. Is that all right? Let me ask you a question. When Jesus was that nobleman, was the son with the nobleman? No. He was a distance away. What did Jesus say? He said, go home. Your son's fine. And when he went home, what did he find? The anointing of God had touched his son at a different place, and yet he was over there being ministered to some miles away. So don't you think God can touch your mother right now? I know he just did. So give her a call. Let her know, Mama, it's time to get up now. God just touched you. In fact, you'll go out right now and give her a phone call. You can go ahead and say that to her. You'll find out God already touched you. You come back in and tell everybody. Do you have a cell phone? Everybody in here has one. Mom lives in Korea? Okay, well, then you'll have to get her a message somehow you do through, through email or whatever, you know. She may be sleeping right now. This will be fun. A great testimony, okay? Bring it back to the pastor so you can find out what happens. Anybody else real quick before we go? Yes, sir. What about you? You've had a sinus infection? Okay. Do you mind if I smack it out of you? Come on up here. Jesus did all kinds of interesting things. He spit on people. See, I'm not going to do that. Ever been ministered to before? No. No. So this is kind of new? A little bit, yeah. That's okay. Are you nervous? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Probably didn't help that I was going to actually hit you, did it? I no. Take it. Probably didn't know. You can take it, though, right? What if I just tapped your forehead about like this and said, in Jesus' name, be healed, and God's presence went right through your sinuses and opened it right back up? Wow, I feel that right now in the name. Glory to God, just be healed. <laughs> That's pretty cool what God's doing to you. <laughs> I don't feel nearly as irritated as it was. Yeah, do whatever you have to do to try to irritate it. What do you need to do? You need to stick both fingers in there? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you had to do this all the way up or something, you know. Well, I always had to, like, pick at it because it was always, like, 
feel yeah. dry and crusty. And Ooh, yeah. Wow. Amen. Wow. Amen. Don't ever tip your head back, you know what I mean? What's going on? I tell you, run out there and grab a Kleenex and blow and do whatever you need to do to check and see what God just did because you just got set free from how long has it been? Five or four, four or five years. Four or five years. Amen. You do all your business right here, just don't show anybody, okay? <laughs> I always use Kleenex. You know, I grew up in a home where my dad used a hanky. And I'd see him blow on that thing and then I'd see him turn it over, you know, the other corner. I'd see him take it back out and blow on the other corner. And then one time after I saw him do at least two blows, he looked at me and said, hey, do you need this? And I thought, oh, no, I don't need that. I will never touch that. I won't do it. I even asked my mom, I said, you actually wash those things? Oh, my God, I can't believe you touch them. So I've been a Kleenex man the rest of my, all my life. Tissue. Amen. Tissue. Anybody else here just before we go home? Come on, we're having a good time tonight. We're just opening up our hearts to the idea that God can really saturate our lives. Folks, we're missing the whole, whole boat here. We're being lied to. Religion has done this to us. Just being of the world and of the flesh has done this to us. Uh, since there's about three or four hands, come on up to the front and let me minister to you this way. It'll make it sim- more simple. All right? We'll just have you stand over to this side because of this platform. Come on up here. But let me just finish my thought here as pastor's going to come up and take the service. We're missing the greatest part of our life. And that is to be aware of God. Do you believe that? It's not good to have. It doesn't satisfy you to have this love for someone you've never experienced. Does that make sense? The greatest part of life as a Christian is you actually talk with him and he talks back. You listen to him. You hear him. You feel him. He's with you. You don't feel like you're alone. You walk into tough situations and you actually have his presence with you. And it's not just that you know he's there. You feel his presence with you. Come on. We're missing the biggest part of our life. God saturates us. He wants us to be so filled. One translation said filled and flooded with God. Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't satisfied with just having God on his life. He said, I want to be immersed into the sea of immortality until all this mortality, my flesh, is so covered up in God that I don't recognize me anymore. So is it possible to actually have, Paul wouldn't have said that unless it was possible. What did Jesus really look like on the inside? We saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He glowed, amen, all over his body. Something was so big in him that it actually came out of his pores, changed the shape of his face. So let me put my hand on you for a moment. That's it right there. Glory to God. Whatever sickness you had, it's gone. I guarantee you it's gone. God just touched you, saturate your life. What about you? What are you dealing with? Yeah. What if that just disappeared? Well, amen. God likes to... Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Check both of them. Check both of them right now. Bend there with your, with your, with your back and your hips. And go do something. Go do something athletic. All right, all right. And, you, and the cool part is, is you can. All right. What about you? Heart issues. In the wonderful name. Well, that was easy. Amen. Kind of sounds like Staples, doesn't it? <laughs> that was easy. What about you? My sinuses. Sinuses. Just like that man. How's it going there? 
Sir, how you doing? That's pretty cool. Five years and now it's gone. It's pretty cool. You ready to be touched? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Hagen told me to use that name. That's why I'm doing it. Amen. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Set free. What about you? Yep. Yep. Just take some of this in right here. You never have to worry another day in your life. What about you? Atrial fibrillation on my heart. Yeah, the heart. Amen. Thank God for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready to feel better, brother? Did you feel that on you? Yeah. Oh, I received that. That was pretty cool, wasn't yeah, it? I received that, yes. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a possibility you could do things without having to worry about your heart. Yeah, it's healed. Amen. When was the last time you've run or done something crazy? Um, long time probably, huh? Because you've been nervous about your heart, haven't you? Don't be nervous anymore. Amen. You can run now. And you'll feel perfect when you're done. And if you die, we'll raise you back up. <laughs> what did you feel going to you? You felt the presence of God, right? Yes, I felt that Would he ever let you down? No. Well, then you can run. What about you? Plasmoblastic lymphoma. Yeah. Just like that girl had lymphoma. Within what, three or four days she went back, it was all gone. So why would yours stay? Exactly. What would make it stay? It's impossible, right? Come on. If the body can be filled with a substance that's evil, why can't the body be filled with a substance that's good? If sin abounds or sickness abounds... Doesn't grace abound more? You ever played scissor, paper, rock? Okay, so if I put if I put scissors out, what would you do? What would rock? You'd give me rock, right? If I put rock out, what would you do? Paper. If I put paper out, what would you do? Everything Jesus does, always. Oh, that's it right there. In the wonderful name, I command you to be loosed and set free from this thing, and from this night forward, Amen. Everything about your body will begin to respond. Because God heals you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. Yep. He wants to, on behalf of our uncle who's dying from pancreatic cancer, okay. and also um, on behalf of my husband who suffers from mental illness that he okay. refuses to acknowledge. In the okay. Can I pray over your little, is it a bear? It's five nights at Freddy. <laughs> it's... Kind of a freaky looking little thing. He's a freaky looking little thing. <laughs> I get this little guy saved first. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm going to pray over this. Would you, would you let your dad and your uncle touch it? Because God will touch them. Father, thank you for saturating this cloth with your wonderful presence. And Lord, I thank you for this boy's faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take them this bear. What about you? My back and my knees. Your back and your knees. Are you sure that there, there's still a problem since you came up? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, put your hands in my hands. Thank you, Lord. For a while, that's it right there. I was going to pray a prayer, but he beat me to it. Now go check your knees. Yeah, something really good's happening. Come on, everybody, lift your hands and just worship the Lord for a second. We've got a few more people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this lady right here. I command everything to leave you. 
That's right. That's right. Right there. In Jesus' name. You ready to get healed? Pain in your arm? Ooh, thank you, Lord, for touching her in the neck and releasing those nerves. And said, well, amen, Mama. Amen. Jesus just touched it. What about you, sir? Wrist and allergies. Wrist and allergies. All right. Amen. The wrist feels a little better since we went. That's pretty cool. You stand next to a gal that got her wrist healed, too. Amen. That's pretty cool. We'll take this for your allergies. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for healing this man. And you, thank you. Thank God. Anything else? Okay. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. Remember, get your mind quiet. That's what I told you before. So you think too much, right? So just relax, right? That's what you did. That's why you were healed in the first place. So just stay really relaxed. Well, see, you're trying to tell me everything. You don't need to do that, right? For you, your prescription is just get your mind quiet, and then you won't have any problems, okay? Can you do that for me? Yeah. Okay, excellent. What about you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for touching this woman and her daughter. And you, well, amen. Do you feel that going to you? What about you? Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Touch this woman right Well, That's it right there. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God for his anointing, his presence. What about you, sir? My neck, shoulder, back, wrist, and All right. I'm just going to tap you on the shoulders. God's going to touch all of you. Wow, I feel him touching you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for healing you, setting you free. This night, forevermore. Amen. What about you, hon? I have a chronic illness. Yeah. Yeah. Would you put your hands on your stomach? Okay. I had, I had something that was really bad like that, too. God healed me. So will he heal you? Yes. Yeah. Are there things you can't eat? And it makes, makes, makes no, you feel... I, I can't live without my you can't live without your medication? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then is it disruptive when you eat certain things? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's the medication for? My ulcerative colitis. Okay, ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. All right. So what if God heals you tonight? That would be amazing. Okay. Is there any way that you would know? I have a checkup next month. Oh, yeah, next month. All right. That's pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to tap on. Wow, that's it right there in the name of Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. She just got healed of colitis. Amen. That's totally cool. Yes, ma'am. It's two things I want. I want you to pray for this. And then I want you to pray for my boy. He's not sleeping. And I'm so worried. Let's do this, okay? Let me just just get some of this. Oh, you haven't even opened it yet? No. no, no. Oh, my goodness. How do we get this thing open here? There we go. Okay, here we go. Jesus said, the prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise them up. He said, put a little oil on them. Remember that? What's in that oil? It's representative of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Huh? In the wonderful name of Jesus, command this boy and every bit of development in this young man to be set free from this night. In Jesus' wonderful name. I want you to do something. Do you see that little bright spot right there where I put that oil? What does that remind you of? God just touched that boy. That's the one benefit of oil that's pretty awesome. Is because you can see it. And what does it do? It reminds you in the scene realm that there's something going on behind the scenes. Does that make sense? Now feel this right here. Jesus touching your life. The wonderful presence of God. Hallelujah. You'll never be the same, Mama. Amen. In Jesus' wonderful name. 
Amen. Yep. Do you see that on his, on his forehead? Pick him up and see. <laughs> Amen. 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 Come on, everybody. Stand to your feet. Father, lift your hands and let's worship the Lord. Father, thank you for these people being touched tonight. And I ask you, Lord God, to open everybody's heart in here, everybody's mind, to something more. Come on, everybody, say something more than what I've experienced thus far. Father, open my heart. Open my mind. I believe that this anointing and your power and your glory is living in me. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'll never be the same. And I give you praise. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor, if you come. Amen. Come on, everybody. Remain standing. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.